scripture reading is Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Hear now the word of the Lord. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. The word of the Lord. Thank you. Um, my name is Pastor Dave Choi. I'm um, no, I, I'm Sam. Um, I, I like that my nephew said Pastor Sam. Um, it's usually Uncle Sam, but um, hey, I'm I'm really blessed to be here this morning. Um, for those of you who don't know me, um, this church has a special place in my life because about 25 years ago um, I decided that I was going to do something that I said I would not do because my dad was a pastor and that was to go into ministry so um, I fought and I fought and I lost and I lost and um, I showed up in New Jersey to start this ministry or calling and so one of the things the seminary does is uh they try to link you up with churches and whatnot and so my brother-in-law who is david Choi, so you're like well, how does this work so my sister is kyung the, the older one um she was terrible when i was growing up <laughs> i can say this because she's not here uh, <laughs> don't put that on zoom she's probably watching right um so she, uh, he, he suggested there was this church called Chanyang back then on 100 JFK Boulevard. Uh, I think it was Somerset Presbyterian Church. So I showed up and, you know, just green as an apple. And um, there were these really tall youth group students, really tall. Um, and I'm short, but I'm not that short. But they were just really tall, and I was like, wow. Um, and God blessed me with a relationship with, with some of these um, people that I got to walk alongside and see them grow in their faith. Not because of what I've done, because of what God has done in their life. And it, and it started there, and then in a weird way, I came back after so many years of doing ministry in different places. And so I ended up coming back again, I think in 2008. Um, and then I got to um, do life again. And so this, this place has been a, a teaching uh, incubator for me and a place where God has challenged me. And so um, a couple of years back, I think about seven years, um, every so often, God probably does this to you all too, right? It says something, puts something weird in your heart. You're like, no, I don't want to do that. No. 
And so one of the weird things was God was um, like, maybe you should go um, plant a church where there is no church. I'm like, that's a good thought, God. You should commission somebody to do that because I know lots of people who really like doing that, just not me. Um, and my parents were in Baltimore, and my dad, who is the quintessential Korean dad, who will do like, this is good for you. So I'll do it. So for example, in seventh grade, he would go to school, talk to my counselor and say, how is my son Samuel doing? And they're like, oh, he, wonderful, straight A's. And he's like, hmm, really? So you're saying he's not being challenged. <laughs> <laughs> so I come home and, and my dad's like, I heard school's pretty easy. I was like, oh yeah, it's pretty good. And he's like, so you know, I thought, what if there's this um, science academy school across the town? What if you went there and you were challenged more? I'm like, but that's, that's a weird idea. Why would I do that? I thought you would like it. So I enrolled you. I switched schools. <laughs> what? What? So you, you get some of that. Uh, and so when I went to Baltimore, my dad was like, maybe you should come to um, serve at this church I'm at in Baltimore. I'm like, oh, God, no. So uh, just to appease him, I went through the, um, the interview process. And, uh, you know, I did the worst I could. You know, they would answer like, you know, how, how do you commune with God? I don't. Right? <laughs> don't hire me. <laughs> um, but I did have a conversation with one of the pastors there, and, and he, we, we were commiserating about next steps, and he was thinking about um, doing an urban church plant in Baltimore City. And I was like, yeah, I've been thinking about that too, but um, maybe like in New York City. And he's like, hey, we should keep in touch. And so we would, um, we would talk and just kind of compare notes. And then one day he said, hey, what do you think about if you came down to Baltimore? Did my dad talk to you about this again? <laughs> uh, and he was weirdly persistent, uh, bald, tall, white man. Um, so the, that was the only thing we had in common, both bald. I was like, we would be a church of bald people. Um, <laughs> But it's stuck, right? Sometimes God does things and says weird things that sticks in your heart and you just like cannot discard it. So I thought about it. And the more I thought about it, the more crazy it was that I would do that. And by the end, um, I had been married and we were on our second child. So even more not to do it. Just thinking about how do you move your family down with two babies into Baltimore? That, that doesn't seem like a good idea. Um, and is, this is a good uh, advice for if you are married, you know, you talk to your spouse about it and, and she was like, I think that's a great idea. Like, who are you? Uh, <laughs> So we, we made the, uh, the journey to move our family down to Baltimore six years ago to start a church plant. And then I was like, oh, by the way, Esther, you know, uh, since it's a pl church plant, you know, uh, I'll be raising my own funds, by the way. Uh, and she's like, okay. I was like, who are you? Um, and I, 
I'm not telling this as like a feel-good story because um, there's been lots of challenges. But it's amazing how God shows up when we take risks. Right? It's amazing how God shows up when we desperately need God to show up. Because if God doesn't show up, this ain't working. And our church is still learning. We still have our growing pains. We're six years old, which means we are now just kindergarten graduates, which means we still like poop in our pants sometimes. <laughs> and sometimes we cry for, for mommy. And, and so we still have that, but we rely on God. And this is not the message I have for you. So you're like, oh my gosh, you already spent 10 minutes. You're, you're not, you haven't even begun. Um, so that's why I am so grateful because of this church that has helped me on that trajectory. Today, on Father's Day, I thought, um, what, what would God the Father have a word for us today? And I don't know why, I just kept going back to this passage of Martha Mary. It's just very fascinating, interesting um, interaction they have with Jesus. So I wanted us to take a look at that and just maybe um, point out two things. And so before I do that, let me just pray for God's spirit to soften us to hearing God's word. Father, we need your Holy Spirit. We need your guidance even in the foolishness of the preacher who is speaking your word. God, would you challenge us, our lives, against powerful forces that want to form our lives to be more and more like something else rather than more and more like you, Jesus. So give us the creativity, the moral imagination to give birth to words that do not yet exist in our lives. We pray against distractions to abide in you, to God, to you. To God be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So thank you, J. Lou, for um, reading that passage. And I'm going to try to do this as quick as possible because at our church, it's like, 20 minutes, let's go. <laughs> so I'm like, I, gotta, I can't see because I'm old now. I'm like, what does that say? Um, maybe 12 minutes. So I'm going to try to do this quick. So our text here sits in a very, um, very clear trajectory. This is Jesus in Luke consistently saying, follow me. Right? It starts from, I think, like chapter 3 or 4, Jesus finds a bunch of of people and say, follow me. And they start following. And then Jesus starts teaching. He starts having interactions with people. So right before this, you have a classic um, interaction where Jesus walking with his disciples. And this, by the way, this is what they did in the rabbinic tradition is disciples were somebody who would follow their teacher and learn. 
Um, and there's even this, I think, euphemism now where you say, um, covered in the dust of your master, because you're following them everywhere, right? So you, you, they go to a town, and Jesus teaches as a rabbi, and then goes next town, and along the way, there's always something that happens. Somebody shows up. In this case, a lawyer shows up and says, hey, Jesus, uh, you know, how do, I, how do I get eternal life? And Jesus said, whoa, what does the Bible say? which is also rabbinic. They never answer. They just ask you a question. They go, well, it says, love God and love your neighbors, right? And, and so do that. And then the, the, the lawyer who's smart goes, follow up, right? Who's my neighbor? And Jesus says, hmm. And then you get the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? If you haven't read that, it's super powerful because Jesus turns everything around, right? And then even then, when Jesus turns everything around, the lawyer still comes back and says, well, the one who shows mercy, well, who's the one who shows mercy? And then he walks away. So you get these really incredible teachings back and forth. And then you get a town here where Jesus comes in, and they're, they're welcome here at Martha and Mary, and they have a, a, a meal, and there's teaching. And in our, in our text, too, you see Mary who is, it says, at the feet of Jesus. That is classic language for disciple sitting because the idea was the rabbi teacher would be higher and the disciples, out of respect and honor, would be on the floor. So they sit, literally, this is the imagery, at their feet, right? So they're, they're learning. And then you see Martha here. She's, she's the host trying to get everything together, and you get this tension. And then we'll, we'll, we'll dig into that. And then right after, they, they move on, and then the disciples say, hey, Jesus, uh, can you teach us how to pray? And Jesus gives us the, the amazing Lord's Prayer. This is how you pray. And then Jesus follows up, and there's all these parables, and then they move on, and there's healing, and then there's teaching, and then there's interaction. So you see the breadth of Luke. When you look at it that way, here is um, one of the key things <clears throat> that the, the Bible is keen on is this idea of a, a, a disciple. So I, I, I titled this discipleship, which is kind of too general. But disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, that's what we're called to if, you, if that is not, that's what I'm talking about today. If, if you don't call yourself a follower, a disciple of Jesus, I hope maybe this will help enlighten you what, what that means. And so here you have Martha Mary. Mary is the, in the form of the disciple at the feet, teaching. And then you have this um, really cool interaction. Martha shows up and says, Jesus. She's doing nothing. Like, I'm doing everything. Please, can you teach her what it means to serve you? I'm paraphrasing there, obviously, right? And then Jesus says, Martha, you're correct. Mary, get in the kitchen. Right? That's not what happens, right? But actually, that's what would have happened in that ancient custom. The shock of this passage is that that's not what happened, right? 
The shock is that Mary is not supposed to be sitting at the feet of Jesus because disciples were male only. So right off the bat, sometimes our modern sensibility just goes right over it because it's like, well, yeah, Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet and Martha, she's the nagging one. That, that is not our passage. Maybe you've heard it that way, but that's not our passage. The shock here is Mary is sitting in the position of, of a disciple. And for the, the, for the ancient um, Near East, this, that would be like unheard of. What a rabbi lets a woman sit at his feet to learn? No. So right off the bat, you get this amazing um, revolutionary challenge that Jesus is throwing to the culture there. And then he counters this uh, conversation with Martha with a, a very interesting thing. And we hear it as like a critique of Martha. But this is not a critique of Martha. This is uh, Jesus' invitation to Martha. Here, a teaching moment. Mary has chosen what is, what is best, what is good. Really, only one choice and only one thing needed. And I don't know if we hear that, what Jesus is saying there. There is an invitation to Martha. You're not called to your role that was assigned to you. I'm giving you a new, new role. Come be with me. That is, it's a beautiful picture of Jesus' kindness to challenge the cultural norms there. I don't know if you hear it that way, because I, I heard it differently when I was growing up. It's like, oh man, Martha, she, you want to be like Mary. You don't want to be like Martha. She's always busy, busy, busy. It's about, you know, you got to be. <clears throat> no. I'm sorry. Right? Let, let's let God's word speak into our lives to hear afresh again. God's kindness in extending invitation to Mary and God's kindness and strength and power to be able to speak into cultural norms that are so powerful that most people can't. So, there, so that's, that's one in, um, observation. Can I get water? I don't know why. I'm like, <clears throat> I think because my sister keeps her house really dry. So, um, <clears throat> so I don't know, I feel like I'm in a desert. Hello. Um, <clears throat> I'm doing like that slapping thing. I actually listen to like stuff like this at night. This is so shameful for me to admit, but there's this thing called like ASMR. So I like put on my headphone and then they like whisper softly and I'm like, <sighs> and it's the only way I can fall asleep. It's terrible, right? I think my doctor says, stop drinking coffee after 6 p.m. But I'm like, no, it's because I need to listen. <laughs> all right, I'm sorry. Just delete all that I just said right there. This is what happens when you get distracted, uh, which is the second point here. Um, 
you see in the text, oh, wow, thank you. You see in the text, Martha is described when she's upset with Mary as distracted. So she's worried. Then she goes to Jesus and talks about Mary. Isn't that funny, right? Can you imagine if Jesus was in front of you here? Like, I, would be, I have so many questions. Like, Jesus, all of these things. And instead, it's like if Jesus is here and I go, you know, Jesus, I don't know why Charles always wears that watch. Because, you know, like, it's, it's digital, you know? Couldn't he wear something that's more, like, current or mo Like, that's kind of what's happening here. And uh, the power of distraction is that we don't see Jesus. Martha does not see Jesus. She sees Mary. It's really interesting. We always say that, right? We go, if, man, I wouldn't be like these, these, these disciples that we read in the Bible. I, I'd be like, you know, when, when Jesus says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. No way, Jesus. I will never. And then, sure enough, Jesus gets arrested. And then they go, hey, Peter, aren't you one of the, no, I'm not, right? And, the, and you read that passage. I would not be like that, Peter. Nope. He's a ding dong. You know, I would have it. So we, we always that. And what scripture tells us is, no, you would be like Martha and Mary. You would not see Jesus if he was sitting right in front of your face. And it goes to the power of distraction. And um, I'm sure you, you've heard all this, but, you know, they say really the word distraction means just being pulled apart in different directions, right? So whenever I think distraction, I go, too much iPhone, <laughs> right? Too much uh, looking at um, Instagram. And uh, I, a couple of years ago, like, someone told me, I think it was maybe my nephew's or niece or something. It was like TikTok. So I was like, what, what is TikTok? So <laughs> I, was like, I downloaded it. And I'm like, this is stupid. There's just like short videos. And this is so stupid. And then I looked, and it was three hours later. I was like, what just happened? <laughs> like, I went into a time warp. And so the, um, like, analog people in a digital world, we can become the curmudgeon old man on the porch. Get off my lawn. He's like, the, the evils of all our world is iPhone and distraction, right? That, that's not what I'm talking about here. Although, if you do have problems with iPhone, you know, like maybe limited or whatever. But that's not, that's not the distraction that we're talking about here. The distraction here is a little bit more subtle and slight, slightly sinister. I would call it sinister theology. And it's the idea that if I am doing things for God, serving and doing good, by the way, right? This is not bad things. Then it will substitute 
for spending time being in communion with our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is an absolute lie. So just in case you're like, what? what is he talking about? Doing stuff for Jesus does not substitute for spending time with Jesus. Put it another way. One of the greatest difficulties of people in ministry, so I'm just speaking out of my experience as a pastor, but, you know, we're all called to ministry. So all of us is that we can do stuff and then I can then say that is my way of growing it just doesn't work it just doesn't work no amount of time of me spending in exegesis and hermeneutics for preaching will substitute for my own time spent with Jesus and early on I fell into that trap as a Korean youth pastor, also known as a Chandusa. Um, and I then carried it on to my first full-time church in, in New York. And when you do that, something happens. The S hits the fan, right? I was going to curse, but I'm like, I did that once at church, and it was like, get out. So <laughs> Right? But it's called burnout, right? It's called hypocrisy. Like your soul inside is dead. But outside, you're like wearing a nice suit. I had hair back then. Uh, I smelled nice. All of the parents are like, he's so good. You'd be just like Pastor Sam. And I'm looking at them like, don't be just like me. Because I feel like a liar. I feel like I have no faith. I have no relationship with God. But I can put on a nice suit. I can go up to the front. I can even put my hands up during worship. I close my eyes. And because I've done it enough, I can say with just the right inflection to say, I love Jesus. But inside, it's like something else going on, right? All of the things that we do, which are great, all of the things we serve in the name of Jesus, you can help an Afghan refugee family resettle. You can set up a mentoring program for our local school. Um, that has 99% poverty rate and create um, a mentoring program for 24 students and match them with mentors and help them just steer their life just a little bit so that they can have a different trajectory out of poverty. You can partner with a community organizing group to to lobby for 70,000 vacant homes in Baltimore that are rotting, that could be used to alleviate all of the homelessness in Baltimore. 
you could set up a program called Alpha to invite your neighbors to ask questions about anything about who God is so that they can hear what it means to follow Jesus and how much God loves them. You get all of these things. But if you do not have a personal relationship, a time where you are spending with Jesus, and it can look different for everybody. So I even brought, I, I pillared Pastor Dave's library. But you know, there's like devotional classics. And by the way, these are wonderful too. Um, Richard Foster, Celebration Disciple, Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. There's like different um, practices throughout the, the history of the church over 2,000 years. There's even um, Complete Book of Discipleship. This one's Nav Press. This is just the tip of the iceberg, right? You can do all of these, so there's different ways to do it. But when we rely on doing as a substitute for our inner life, I, I know I keep repeating myself, but I, I think this is so important to emphasize. Um, we have got to take seriously Jesus' invitation to spend time with Jesus. So much so that he says it all the time, all right? Right before Jesus is uh, going to get arrested and crucified in John, uh, what, John 15, you know, he does the vine and the branch. He has the communion. Um, and then he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me. It's a fancy way of saying, stay with me. Be with me. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. If you stay with me, I will always be with you. He even says it in the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in my name, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I will be with you to the ends of the earth. So you get this God's pleading invitation, be with me and the promise, I, and I will always be with you. And, and I won't go through all of it, but you can go through it. Jesus says it quite a bit. It's really, really important. But it's one of the things that we can skip. It's the easiest thing we can skip because nobody knows. Nothing on your body, on the outward, can indicate whether or not you are spending time in communion with God. The interesting thing, though, is that in the last two years, because of COVID, it's almost like we have been forced to do that. And it's, it's brought up um, almost accidentally, like the Spirit of God challenging us. So I don't know how many times I've talked to people, and they say during COVID, um, they've reassessed what they're going to do. Because they're like, is 
is what I'm doing now, the work that I'm doing, the, the amount of effort that I'm putting into this company or this um, endeavor, is that worth it? And you know, some people are saying, no, it's not worth it. And so uh, some economists think that's why we have this thing called the great resignation. We don't, I, I don't know, right? But for some reason, there's a huge swath of people that are like, I'm not going back to work. Could be they just have a lot more money. They're like, I, I, I don't need any more money. Who knows? But there's a good hunch that people are reevaluating. They're thinking about their lives. Because they're kind of forced, right? For the last two years, some of us, you know, we, we've been stuck at home. We're like, what do I do? And then you have uh, two little monsters that follow you everywhere. No, I love my kids. They're not monsters. <laughs> but they do follow me everywhere, right? Like, literally, right? We all had this. I just need to use the bathroom. Where are you, daddy? Please, come on, man. Five minutes. Just leave me, right? And then we find places to be. And then we start to have, we start to have thoughts. And that's kind of spending time with our God. And I won't go through all of the ways that God encounters us when we commune. But for sure, um, there is God's assurance. When we spend time with Jesus, one of the overwhelming things that God says is, do you know who you are? You are mine. You are created by me. You are loved by me. And no matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter how much you worship me or reject me, I will always love you. The never-ending, faithful, unchanging, loving kindness of God. And then we forget that, right? So, you know, Bible somewhere says, God's mercies, God's reminders are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Because in life, we do all this stuff, and then you, things start to attach to you over the day. And then you come home, and you're exhausted. And you go, I, that was a hard day. And creeps into your soul, and you say, I'm not a good person. I'm not a good dad. I get too angry with my, my, my kids. I don't pick up the phone call when my mom calls me for the third time. And then we, and then the, the world pulls us in different directions to make us into images of I don't know what. And we come back to Jesus, and Jesus says, you are my beloved, so much so that I endured the suffering and pain of the cross for you. Not to make you cry, but to remind you that is my commitment to you, that is my covenant to you. And then we're like, oh, right. 
You know, it's like we, we were, uh, we're going to have to drive down to Baltimore. And, you know, now you, uh, our, our car has a, a, uh, Apple Play, which is wonderful because the built-in nav is like, it sucks. I don't know what it's doing. Like takes us to California. I'm like no, <laughs> you know, you you plug it into your phone and then you have your phone there. So now you can use like Waze or Google Maps or Apple Maps or whatever, and then you know you you set it and it shows you where to go. But you know, he, I don't know if you do this, but I'm like, well, I want to see where I'm going. Come on, like say like ten miles to what? So then you know, like you can pinch zoom right, and then it shows you like further up. And then you're like, wait, do I have to exit anywhere? And then luckily, some genius programmers put a little thing where it says recenter. So you push the recenter and it snaps you back to where the car is and you're driving. That's our inner spiritual life with God, right? We get, <laughs> we go places and then we get lost. Where? What am I looking at again? Right. And then snaps you back. That's a, it's a beautiful picture of God's mercy every morning, right? If that is available to you, would you not do that daily? You don't have to, but you could, but it's there. And Jesus' invitation is always there. And the words are too small. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm closing now. Oh, my gosh, you idiot. Um, so, um, yeah, wrapping up. Distractions, the importance of being in communion uh, with God in, in this dis distracted way. Um, you know, the, the thing that I wanted to close with is that um, every so often my parents say stuff and I go, wow, that's really profound. And so um, lately um, my mom says stuff um, so I was listening once, and she was like talking about YouTube, and um, and she was talking about how in Korea, you know, the abalone. I don't know what it's called in Korean. It's called delicious, right? <laughs> abalone soup. Um, so uh, there, there are sea mollusks. So I looked it up. They're basically giant sea snails, but I love it because it's delicious. But, uh, you know, the way, the way that this thing works is that um, it, it, like, sticks to the bottom of um, a rock. And they like to be near waves because there's movement. And that's how they, like, grab the nutrients to eat. Um, but if you've ever gone to the ocean, like, the, the waves, they're really powerful. Like, they knock you over. So we used to play this game, like, you would stand in the wave and see how strong you are and you always lose, right? But it's fun to do it anyway. Um, and so that kind of hydraulic power that is hitting this sea snail mollusk attaches to the rock where these waves are hitting 
buffering, and you just, right? You can imagine the, the force of it. But the sea, this abalone can stick to it. So this is what my mom is telling me in Korean. I'm translating all of this for your benefit. Uh, and she says, that is like the Christian faith. We, I was like, so am, what, what am I? So you are the abalone. It's like, I don't want to be the abalone. But she's like, you abalone. I don't know why I'm like, this is now Karate Kid. You abalone. Jesus rock. You stick. Right? No, but she was saying that this, you know, the abalone is not only delicious, but it is a metaphor, it's an image of communion with Jesus. And so I was like, well, this is just, I just suck on, stick on the rock as hard as I can. Like, no, no, that's not the, that's not the main point of this imagery. It's not how strong you are, that you can stick to the rock and no amount of current and forces in this world will move me from this rock. It's like, no, it's, the, it's that the rock will never shift. No amount of power and force will dislodge. So if you are stuck to the strongest rock, then you're okay. And I was like, okay, that, that one works, right? I think that's a little bit like what Jesus is inviting us to, right? I don't know about you, but COVID has been hard. And um, I am very comfortable freely admitting that um, during COVID, just a lot of ugly things have been exposed by God in my life. And I had to acknowledge that. Like God saying, you call yourself a father, but you have no patience for your kids. There is absolutely no reason for you to be yelling at your kids because they dropped the food on the floor. And then I realized, what am I so angry about? So I had to deal with some of that. Maybe it was the anxiety and frustration of not knowing what was going to happen, of seeing my 80-some-year-old parents um, stuck in their place and having to think about, what, what, what do I have to do if I have to plan their funeral because they come to our church? And not figuring, I don't know how that's going to work. And then anxiety builds up, right? Being at a church plant where different people want to do different things and the reality of crushing inequalities, crushing racial inequalities, where I see some of the kids in our neighborhood who live in abject poverty. And the the city just does not care. And I go, Jesus, I, I cannot fix this problem. I don't even know where to begin.
all of these things. I don't know if if you had a good time in COVID. I'm sorry, I, I didn't have a good time in COVID, right? Um, and in the midst of that, Jesus shows up even more real. And and that's that's my prayer for us as as we as we looked at this passage. May you be renewed to hear again Jesus' invitation. Not as a nagging, not as a critique, but as an invitation by the most beautiful, the, the most good, kind-hearted creator of the universe who invites us again. Be with me, and I will always, I will always be with you. Let me pray. Father, we are, we are broken. We are people full of thoughts and distractions pulling in different directions and yet you pursue us you love us you call us you say ask and it will be given seek me and you will always find me knock and the door will always be open to you god we thank you for these promises help us to find a way to be with you even in the most busy and distracted times we thank you we thank you for these reminders we pray this in your name amen